I have a funny story about that. And I think this is a perfect example of heaven here now. Cut it out if it's not appropriate. <laughs> here we go. Yeah, so we, several years ago, founded an organization called The Gathering People, and the mission of The Gathering People is gathering people to bring heaven here now. Well, and I don't think you have to be a religious person to say, I want to leave this world better than I found it. Right. So it's one of those things where it's the difference of, you know, doing something here. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Heaven Here Now podcast, where some former pastors and their friends talk about the radical shift that happens in life when we stop viewing heaven as something that will only happen one day, far away, and we believe that it's something that we have the power and the responsibility to create here and now. I'm Jesse Dukes, one of your hosts, and on today's episode, we talk with a good friend, Carly Raymer, who approaches this whole idea of heaven, faith, in the church from a little bit of the outside looking in. She grew up Catholic, but now she identifies as an atheist. We get together with Carly because we want to hear what does it look like when you view Jesus's movement outside of it? There's a growing number of people who identify themselves as de-churched. This means that they participated in a faith community when they were growing up, but then at some point chose to leave and didn't return. Carly vulnerably shares her story about growing up in a challenging home and looking for hope from the local church and not finding it. She dedicated a lot of her life since then to providing hope, to being a part of the change. And amazingly, she still has a lot of hope for what Jesus can do to speak into that. Hope you'll enjoy our conversation today with Carly. We're gathering people to bring heaven here now. Thanks for coming along on the journey with us. All right. Hey, welcome back to the Heaven Here Now podcast. We have our good friend this week, Miss Carly Raymer. Hey, Carly. Hi. How's it going today? We're so today? glad you're here. Good. Yeah, oh, thank we, you. we've been knowing Carly. Carly, how long, have, how long have we known each other? I thought about this that this morning. I met you in 2015. Okay. And this was seven years. I actually forgot the context of how we met. Was it, was it through church stuff? It was the I-58 mission. Okay. Oh, That's cool. right. Okay. Yeah. You had connected with I-58. You were like volunteering and helping. And was it directly through that? Or did you meet like Roy through that and then got connected with the legacy folks or I or met what? Phil. I met yeah, Phil. Yeah. You met Phil. Phil talked me into going to a sermon. Right. And I was like, mm, mm. all right, I'm going to go. So then I went and it was okay. It feels great. It was, but it still was very churchy. But um, then we have a mutual friend, Hillary, who was yeah. like, you need to meet Jesse because that is like way different than this and blah, blah, blah. And then somehow I stumbled upon you at Legacy doing something for the mission. And I'm like, oh, you're the man, the right. myth and the legend, if you will. <laughs> well, you met the first man in myth and legend, Phil Fincher. So, I mean, yes, if anybody, if anybody doesn't know right? Phil, you need to get to know Phil. Uh, it's funny because I didn't realize even before Katie and I met, Katie and I both had a Phil connection before we knew each other too. Phil just connects everyone. Right, we do we, need to get we Phil. We definitely on the need to get Phil. On okay, here I thought y'all awesome. only knew each other from CrossFit. So I'm just now catching up. Oh. No, actually, Kate came to me before she did CrossFit and asked a little bit about it, but was very quiet. She was like, I need you to be very quiet. And I was like, amen, sister. She's like, I'm not ready to be outed. <laughs> nope. And then she started going to Good Life. And then it was shortly thereafter he joined. So 
I would like to take credit for that train this you time. Should. There you, you go. Should. Yeah, there you there go. You go. I, I have many thanks for, for bringing the gospel of CrossFit into our <laughs> lives. <laughs> the gospel's right. Woo. Um, That's great. Okay, and then I've like known who you are forever, but we haven't really gotten to talk. And then the other night at Jesse's birthday party, I saw you, but I was like, when I once asked you to be on the podcast, I was like, I'm not saying anymore because I want to get all the all the good stuff here. <laughs> Well, thank you. I'm excited. I'm nervous. Yeah. Well, so, right. This is great because I have, I have unanswered questions too that I don't know the answers to. So those are always the, the best ones. So I'll, I'll back up. I'll tell you how you got introduced to me, right? Okay. Or at least what this was. It was like, I don't remember. I guess now obviously it was through Phil because that's sparking my memory. But I remember uh, kind of Roy, uh, who was the lead pastor at the church that we were at, whatever, um, you were you were branded as like the resident atheist, you know. <laughs> yeah, yes, right. yeah, I'll right. take it. You became like you know the 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 community atheist that if anybody you know needed to, to <laughs> if somebody needed someone to speak for for all people you know who fall in that category, you uh you you that was you. Okay, so awesome. what, all right. So then I realized like. I never even confirmed that with you. Like, would you, what would you, would you put like a label on, like, would you say like, I'm agnostic, I'm atheist. Has that changed even since you were branded as the, the village atheist? No, way back it's all still, those years ago? Uh, it's still very atheist. Very. Yeah. Still. So, so that I was, so then my question was that I was interested in was when you were growing up, like, was there like a religious or spiritual oh, yeah. background to your childhood? You yeah. Sure. I want to hear all about that. Yeah. Share I, something about that grew up Catholic, very Catholic. Mm. And I mean, baptized communion, confirmation, all, all the whole nine yards. And it must've been Sunday school. We started, you know, to get your communion, you have to do these classes. So I'm doing these classes and, and I'm, I have questions and I'm asking questions and I'm not getting answers. I'm getting like this mix of weird church talk yeah and and it just continued on and and they got frustrated with me because you know i'd ask things like um why are gay people bad and it would be well it's adam and eve and eve came from adam's rib and i'm like but that doesn't explain to me why like that doesn't that's not an answer so it just progressed from there and then the older i got and the more that i got to I was frustrated with the, like, I'm expected to dislike people whom I don't know yet. So, right. you know, like, that's when I started getting frustrated. And I'm like, this is too much. It's too, it's too much. I yeah. don't understand. Yeah, it's like there was a, a lot of times I've seen that tendency to say when somebody has a question, like, the answer is you, you, just, you go back to the book. And you go yes. back to the book and find the, you know, the part in the story. And that can be confusing for a lot of people because it's like, well, I don't even, what, what is this book? I don't even know that like, you know, it's like, you know, if I pulled out Gulliver's Travels or something, you know, some other book that I like, it was like, the answer to your question is right here on, you know, page 87. It's like, that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, So I think that's a pretty common. uh, Yeah. Well, and the the response of this is the way it is and that's that. And there's no discussion about it either. Right. Right. There's no, I mean, and that's the thing is I would continue to seek these answers and it would get shut down very quickly or, right. you know, it's go to confessional. 
Right. That was always the answer. Go right. to confessional. And then I would do like 17 Our Fathers and 2 million Hail Marys and would never find an answer. Right. One yeah. thing that you just said that really stuck out to me that just was like, uh, was that you had to take classes in order to be able to take communion. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And that I can remember, I mean, it was strict. Like you spent at least a class doing your like body of Christ. Amen. Over and over and over. Like. By getting the positioning right? Yes, it was serious. No, it's 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 right hand over left. That's what? <laughs> yeah. To me, I'm like, okay, this is a whole lot just to... Yeah. When, Jesse, you'll remember this, when we were at Legacy, we had a little discussion about communion too, and what age was able to come to the table. And um, yeah, that's just never, like, Jesus is like anyone. There's no... There's no hoops you have to jump through. Like everyone comes to my table if they want to. Well, I get how it's confusing, you know, cause it's like still, I, I always wonder what an outsider's perspective is of the whole idea of communion, because especially the, the Catholics kind of take it even one step further. It's like, no, this is, this is the literal, you know, this, this is flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. You know, this 2000 year old historical figure, like something magical happens and it, you're, so you're about to eat you know, flesh and drink blood. It's like, okay, wow. Well, you kind of lost me there to begin with, but, but just, I do think it's fascinating because, you know, we live in an age that really is uh, focused on this idea of inclusion or we're like wrestling with, you know, inclusion, like who gets, can there be a place or a community or something where, you know, everybody kind of gets welcomed. And I think that that was at least the radical idea behind what Jesus was doing with, with this idea of communion is like, Hey, so much of our cultures are separated by who you will and won't sit down at the table across from and be mm -hmm. like, Hey, I'm going to like extend to you the, this, uh, you know, this fellowship, this, like, if we're going to eat together, like we're cool, you know, right. at least for tonight, you know, even game of Thrones, you know, there's like supposed to be <laughs> these right. like rules around, like, you know, if you, if you sit down at the table with somebody like you, you accept them. And it's just, that's one of those mind blowing things to me too, of how, something that, that that was kind of supposed to be the heart of communion, this idea of there will be a foundational space where people of all different types, you know, men, women, slaves, free people, you know, black, white, you know, whatever, red, whatever. They didn't have those categories in that day. But, mm -hmm. you know, anyway, it was like everybody can come to the table and it gets completely flipped where it's like, here's this very specific list of rules right. of who can do it and who can't do it in the very technical way that um, was that, was that confusing to you? I mean, did you ever get that flip side taught of what communion was kind of supposed to be, or was it always the rules and the regulations? It, it Always rules and regulations. And, and there was always that threat of like, if you don't do this, then you can't do communion or you are gear. I mean, hell and Catholicism is very real and very serious to them. And like, it was always, if you just move from the church slightly, you are instantly going to hell or purgatory or where, you know, like it. Very fear. -driven. Yes. Yes. And, it, and it not inclusive. And like, here I am sitting in this Catholic church with a very white populace and, yeah. and it does not change. And it, doesn't allow for in you know any anything different it was almost like um khaki pants and cardboard boxes yeah i, I hate to call that's it that great. but that's what it felt like yeah yeah you know so anything was that deferred from that was that the like 
taking those classes and being in that experience, that was the moment that you knew or like, was there more to this journey in faith? You know, I, I held on to my Catholic faith for a while privately. Um, and then I must've been 18 or 19 and I went to a church and, and, and I had gone, I used to go to this, oh, I can't even remember the name of the church when I was a kid, but I had moved to a different church and it, there was something brought up about um, donations or tithing or something. And I had just attended this church like two or three times. And I, then at that point, I'm like, now this seems like it's about money. Right. You're very concerned about what I'm right. putting in this pot, not why I'm here. And so I think at that point really is when I was like, I'm done. I'm done. It's Deuces. too much. There's, I'm not getting anything out of it. It's not giving anything to me. I feel like I'm trapped in this box of what I am supposed to be. And I can't fit that anymore. I can't. Yeah. And then when you bring in the money thing, I'm like, this, the church is supposed to be about money. So what's going on here? And yeah. that's really kind of where it ended. I'm Did a, you I'm, ever speak out against that to anyone? Like yeah. besides the questions and you did? I'm sure that, I'm sure that went really well. Yeah. Oh yeah, terrific! You start pushing, you know poking around in their money, it's just a no go. Yeah. I, but I I didn't see any benefit to the community giving that money either. Like, where is it going, and why is the pastor or priest driving a Cadillac? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all pretty uh, pretty common experiences for people who write like we call that dechurched. You yes. Know, somebody like, <laughs> like I went, I tried, I was kind of going for it, and. Um, I was like, no, this is, this is not for me. Uh, I'm, I'm curious too. So like you mentioned, there was very strong and clear picture of hell, um, mm -hmm. that got defined really clear. Like, as you look back, like what were some of your pictures of heaven? Like what was some of the imagery or the ideas or, you know, just the concepts that, uh, that were communicated to you? I don't think I got a whole lot of imagery of, of heaven. I mean, the, the golden gates were talked about and you're going to a better place was talked about, but I mean, I can remember details on hell and mm. like, you're going to burn and it's hot and, and the devil's there and there'd be, you know, pictures of the devil and like, it just always was so focused on if you do bad, this is the end. I, you know, my grandmother had a picture of Jesus. I can remember that. And he was like sitting on a rock, but he's looking at you and he's not, he does not look <laughs> it's stern. It's stern Jesus. Yes. And so like sh you would do something wrong in the house and she would like, and you wow. just, you were like, oh, Jesus is kind of like Santa, Santa's right. watching. You don't get yes. gifts. But when my grandma, uh-uh, it was Jesus is watching or God is watching or, you know, there's always somebody watching you. Always. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a creepy song that I remember. Um, and forgive me because I'll have to sing it. But it was like, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be yes. careful, little eyes, what you see. <laughs> yes. Because the Father up above is looking down in love. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. I was like, that's so creepy. Mm -hmm. I, you, you can say all you want. The Father up above is looking down in love. Oh! Doesn't sound that way. It's like it. Right. It's a very. It's a very. I mixed, think they it's still a very mixed sing message. that in churches. Yeah, but it's a, it's a very mixed message, right? Yeah. It's like yes. it's this it's this mix of fear and love, trying to do it like at the same time. And maybe I think that's something that you kind of recognize early on that you, in some ways, can't really mix those 
that yeah. much, you know, like they're, they're kind of different motivation systems. Um, one of the things that we talk about a lot is, uh, this idea when we started our like whole church plant experience or experiment rather, um, it was letting go of religion and rediscovering Jesus. Um, as you like talk to me just about what has your journey been like of trying to excavate Jesus from religion? Like, has have you do you see any difference between yeah, the two of those things? That's, that's the next I, thing that I was going to ask you. There's the dog. <laughs> <laughs> no. Bad boy. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you too. Like when you, I know you call yourself an atheist and de-churched, but when you walked away from all that, do you think you were walking away from like the organizations that you were a part of and what they were teaching you? Or could you separate Jesus from that? Were you walking away from Jesus or were you walking away from the people that represented them? Um, you know, that's a good question because, and I think a lot of this is coolie. Cool it. Right. <laughs> Chill, bro. Um, I think a lot of it has changed because of Jesse in, mm -hmm. in all reality. Now, I still, I mean, I can separate the two. Yes. I still don't believe that there's anything out there that's helping us or guiding us. I think that we're just a physical person. It's a biological species that clever collection of atoms. Yes. Um, but I will say I can separate the two ideas now because I see the Jesus that Jesse represents as opposed to the God or Jesus that I was raised with. And I see the good in the Jesus that Jesse represents. And that's something I can get behind. Um, but the, the, there's too much difference for me to ever really wholeheartedly Reconcile put my things yeah. because what I see in Jesse is not what I see in like Joel Austin or um, the uh, what is that Baptist Church Westboro, Westboro Baptist Church or right. there's there's too many um, definitions of religion for me to wholeheartedly ever put my belief back in it. Yeah. You know, there was a, um, <clears throat> I've, I've thought about this a lot about like, yeah, I think today Jesus has a real PR problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. because right from a, from just like a reputation standpoint, so many, so many of the people that are like, yeah, leveraging his name being like, Hey, I'm on team Jesus. Uh, right. You see a lot of stuff that you're like, Whoa, I don't, I don't you know, stuff that Jesus, I think himself, if you go back and, read his material would be like, ah, that don't, don't attach my name with that. But one of the things I love, I don't know if you ever heard this, uh, Carly is, um, it's a, it's in one of the later books of the, the new Testament. It's called acts where they're kind of like, this is after Jesus died. And you know, the apostles believe he came back to life, but they're going into this foreign town and they're talking about Jesus. It was like this group of outsiders that were kind of like on the outside looking in, not religious folks. And they were talking about Jesus's reputation and they said, you know, Jesus, he lived in this you know, area of Nazareth and Galilee or whatever. And they said, he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed. And I was like, I think that Jesus, the one that has like that reputation, that's the one that I think a lot of people can 
get behind. But again, like you said, that feels like kind of an archaeological dig of having to, you know, excavate that from a lot of junk. I mean, do you do you see any of that today? You know, like you said, of the Jesus that's about going around doing good and healing those who are oppressed. I mean, I I do, and I. I want to make very clear, I definitely don't hate religion by any means. Like, I am not the well, atheist that's... We're we're not a fan of a lot of it. So, I mean, if you did, yeah. you would... You, <laughs> right. don't know that but we'd I, find fault with you, but I guess well, you're not Well, and I don't think like, Jesus was either. You know, a, he, came, yeah. he came down against the religious system and Pharisees, you know, that... But I get you, you're not, you're not like anti, like, I hate these people. No, I'm very, I mean, I am very open with my child. I don't raise him religious, but if he chooses a religion, then that's fine with me. I, oops, sorry. I, um, I don't hate religion, but, uh, what was your question again? My God. Well, it was this idea of, you know, again, Jesus' reputation, at least in the material that is given about him, is that he was known for going around doing good. Oh, yeah, and yeah. healing those who are oppressed. So I do see a lot of that. And working in addiction, I see how religion does great things. Um, I see like your religious nonprofit going out and doing good things. I do see that frequently. I do think it's a good thing for some people. Um, but I've also had experiences where um, I am calling for resources for clients calling churches and they're telling me no because this person is not a part of that church or they're forcing people to sit through sermons to get food, you know, food services or things like that. So I, I mean, I definitely see where religion does wonderful things. I do believe that, but I definitely see where it does some horrible things. But I think that comes yeah. with everything, you know, there's always going to be good and bad in it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where... I mean, this is where I can share my own frustration with, I think, religion is that's one of the parts that I personally resonate the most with about Christianity, specifically, at least the idea of it, as opposed to the practice of it, is the idea of it is that there's supposed to be this, like, called this prophetic impulse, like the, the Old Testament prophets, who their job was to, like, critique the system. Their job was to, like, critique the power structure because, you know, as you... Right. As you give humans power, what are they going to tend to do? They're going to tend to use it, you know, selfishly and to oppress people and whatever. And so, but, you know, the, the, the church or the God's people was supposed to have this, you know, prophetic voice that people can speak truth to power and say like, hey, you're, this is, you're not, you know, you're, you're out of line. Like you're, you're not doing what you were called to be doing. Like you, your call is to take care of the widow and the oppressed, you know, to make sure that, uh, you know, outsiders and foreigners don't get, you know, marginalized and neglected. And that was one of, that's one of the things that always kind of drew me to at least what Christianity could be. But again, like, like you said, in practice, you don't see that a lot, you know, like when, when, when somebody starts to speak out and to challenge some of those power structures, they kind of get marginalized, they get pushed to the side. It's, it's, you know, who are you to critique this holy thing that, that we have? Yes. Yes. Um, and that's the thing. I find that a lot of religious, religious people are not open for critique or criticism or, you know, it's, this is what it is. And, and there's no other options. Mm. There's just no other options. And, and if you question, you're going to hell. Right. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Look at Jesus up here. See Jesus right yeah. there. He's very, very displeased. Yes. Yeah. 
and all that is fear driven. And, um, that's what we, the guy we interviewed like two weeks ago, my question to him, because I I'm the same with you. I just, I just don't understand. Like our faith is not that frail. It's not that fragile. Like to ask questions, to push on things like, no matter how hard it is, Jesus is just not going to fall out of the sky on his throne and like lose, you know, based on our questions. And so that's hard. Like I, I completely understand where you're coming from. I mean, kind of a little bit just of my story. Um, I was kind of, I, when I was a teenager, I was, went through a really bad phase and it was to where like, I couldn't go to my graduation banquet because of my actions. And so I got out of church. She was came, a bad girl. I was, but came back because of, hold on just a second. What's up, Patty? Look at that smile. So Welcome, Pat, to the podcast. And now we have a new podcast member. Right. He's so excited to be on camera. Right. <laughs> like, I know. This is my so moment. Say hey. Hi. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're slaying us. Uh, but for me, I came back because I opened the Bible for myself. I wasn't listening to what was being preached on stage anymore. Like, to open it for myself and be like, this is not lining up. Like, this Jesus that I'm reading about is not lining up to what, like, where did this breakdown happen, you know? Um, and so if I hadn't have done, didn't do the research for myself, I don't think I'd be sitting where I am today because none of it made sense for me, like you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could agree with that. I just, uh. like I said, it's just open for too many interpretations for me to want to wholeheartedly believe in it. I, I, I also, to a fault, can be so fact and science based that I can get myself into a box where I'm like, well, that can't be possible because there isn't a concrete answer. But like, yeah. science has a whole lot of non-concrete answers. So at the same time, like, it, you know, I tend to, I need to be careful of this box thing that I live in sometimes. So let me ask you this, Carly, and because um, I actually, I love science too, I'm big science fan. One of the, one of the things that I think is at least made stuff the most clear or compelling for me is the idea it's in one of the, I think it's in first John, maybe you've heard it. It's like such a simple idea, but he just says like, God is love. Like whatever the concept of God is, is like, you know, something you can merge and meld that concept with the idea of like the impulse uh, to love. And again, that's such a broad concept, but it's one that traditionally we're all like, yeah, let's do yeah, more that's of, a good one. Let's do more right. of that, right? You know, like this impulse to like, not just connect, but to like be one to, to sacrifice and to like give up of yourself um, for another that in some way, shape or form, like that energy, that impulse, like is either putting you in the direction of or uniquely God. Uh, is, is that an idea that you're like, I mean, I'm, I can, that, that's at least moving in the right direction for me. What do you, what do you mean? Like a, like, I don't I don't understand. Sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, it's something I've tried to think about a lot because it's, again, how do you, how do you wrap up whatever God is in, in science, right? right? There's so many of these, there's so many of like, it's, it's the unknown. Right. Yes. It's, it's what's be, you know, what is it that, that made everything? 
well, you know, it was the Big Bang. Well, what, you know, gave birth to energy of all this? Like, there's always this unknown thing, right, that's behind stuff. The faith step would be, what if the unknown thing behind this is, like, the energy and movement of love, that that is, like, its own thing, its own separate thing from the world that, like, you can either participate with that, you can, like, sense it and feel it, and you can move in the direction with it, just like, you know, light is an energy, the idea that, like, love is an energy, and what it does is it, you know, creates and it bonds and it connects things together, but there's a choice, you know, like, again, like you said, you can, you can partner with that and you can work with that, or you can kind of be governed by fear and you're not going to share, you're not going to, you know, connect, you're going to divide, you're going to split apart. Um, you know, that, 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 that's at least one part of what's going on is that there's some, force trying to like bring things together to unite things to create to you know make a higher order of complexity and creation in the world i can get behind that idea i love the idea that love is an energy and that people will get behind it and but then i look at things like how people interpret that and so like let's just say your child ends up being LGBTQ and, right. and parents will call it love while they're kicking their children out of the house and saying, I'm doing this because I, I love you, you know, but that's not, right. that doesn't make sense to me. So, I mean, I love the idea in it. I, I do know there are some of us that are just inherently loving, helpful people. That's just what we want to do. We're empaths, you know, that's our thing. But I, I do think there are people that are not capable of that. They don't have that, whatever it is, they don't have that love energy that can move them. And like, I, I can remember reading a study, I think it was last year, year before last. Um, I was trying to figure out if there was maybe like a genetic connection to religion or something like that. And they have done studies that have found like people through generations of religion almost genetically have these emotional responses to things like praying and, and stuff like right. that. So part of me is like, yeah, I can agree with the energy thing, but part of me wonders also if that, um, the endorphins and the science behind generational religion plays a part in that. Because like, as we know, generational trauma changes gene patterns in people. So, right. you know, like, I like the idea of it. I just don't, how do we, how do we, make that energy bigger? How do we get that energy to people? How, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that like, it's funny just cause what you're just talking about, there's a, this is a great example of how the concepts or ideas in the Bible, if you just approach them without any context can be really confusing. So yeah. there's one of these foundational passages um, in the book of Exodus about who, who God is. It's like this moment in the story where, you know, God kind of self-describes and says, my name's Yahweh, you know, whatever, maybe you knew that from the Jewish, you know, thing. It's this idea of like, I am, I am like existence itself or whatever. And then it, you know, God kind of describes himself as compassionate, gracious, forgiving, um, faithful, like keeping promises and remaining loyal to somebody. And then, like you said, uh, it says not 
not re, not like letting the guilty go unpunished because the sins of the father are visited upon the children to the third generation and but showing love and faithfulness to a thousand generations of those who love them so like that sounds confusing like that immediately sounds like oh weird you're going to like punish you know kids for their parents sins like you're up in heaven like oh yep you know, look at that. Grandpa was an alcoholic, so you're going to get smallpox, you know? Like, right. But take that exactly to the concept that you just talked about of like generational trauma, you know, of helping people understand that there is this idea of if something or somebody is governing this thing, like part, it's not just an individualistic deal. Like we are part of this longer line of of action and reaction and cause and effect and you got to be you have to be mindful of that because right my choices aren't just affecting me they're affecting my community around me and i'm like setting something in motion for the people coming after me and if i right abuse somebody or you know i'm neglectful or whatever like i can't just be like hey well this just affects me you know it doesn't affect anybody else god's like I, you need to know that your choices are affecting further generations. And if you get it wrong, that impact goes down the line. But if you get it right, that impact goes down the line, like a, a much longer way. So it's like, I don't know. I just, I thought that was interesting because it's, if you just read that at face value, it's like, yeah, this is where religion is whack. But then, you know, you look at a given thing, it's like, oh, they were maybe talking about generational trauma, you know, way <laughs> Way right. back then, just didn't we just you know we just have a difference of language for what that is, right? We just didn't have the same. I mean, the same science, obviously, but um, no. I mean, I could see that it just like when you when you bring up things like that, like there's another one of my arguments with with religion is religion is where we got slavery, you know, in, in indentured servitude, and like if you convert to religion, then we'll let you out of your servitude, and then. You know, but we couldn't figure out that, that like, what, did people really change their religion? So instead we use skin color. And I mean, that's, as you bring that up, that's another thing that gets me. And I'm like, religion historically has not been very pleasant. I mean, the Catholic church essentially played the police for generate. I mean, decades, years, centuries. Yeah. Um, and then now all of a sudden they want to come in and be these like peacekeeping friends and i'm like but for centuries you've been terrible to people terrible yeah really awful things and i mean i, th I think the hardest part is sorting out the difference between like when people are motivated by fear bad yeah. results yeah right like bad results like you just you know religious people non-religious people you know like whatever like i'm not positive that religion invented slavery i mean i think that people just no invented, well i should reference right. the book but yes. like this idea of like how i mean so i'm sure religion certainly you know perfected crappy modes of you no know, being right being bad to people um i certainly don't what i should say it was a part of it i shouldn't say it wholeheartedly was all of it it was not um yeah. but it did play a small part in it but but how to like right just again how how do you separate these things how do you you know, separate, like, was there, or is there some wisdom in like learning these, you know, learning these texts, learning these cultures, or is it all just another power play, you know? And all of this, if, if this is what you, you've been in the church and all you've seen is the ugly and the, 
the systematic things that are oppressing the people that you love because of their lifestyle, standards, whatever, I completely understand where you're coming from. What do you think makes people, even like people that are gay or black or what, and, and are being oppressed maybe by their church, what, what do you think keeps them coming back? Fear. In all honesty, fear of unknown things like fear of death or fear of hell or fear of, I do think religion has a beer, a big fear com component to it. You know, it's this, um, if you don't do X, Y, and Z, then you won't end up in heaven. And I think sometimes their fear of leaving the church is another thing too. You know, that's an unknown. That's a pretty scary leap when you're leaving something you have been in for so long. Yeah. I, you see it with relationships. You see it with domestic disputes. You see, you know, I do think it's a fear of leaving the church. And I think it's a fear of, of unknown things, which I can't fault somebody for. I yeah, mean, and talk about like, cause you're referencing, um, talk about just some of your, your background and some of the different like work that you've done. Cause we didn't really kind of touch on, on that about like social work yeah. and just all of, all of that. Uh, so I, um, was raised by two very alcoholic parents. Um, my mom died in 2005 from alcoholic liver failure. And, uh, my dad went to rehab that couple weeks later, uh, he blew a 0.52 and mm -hmm. was, um, they actually put him on a psych hold because he was a danger to himself at that point. So my dad has been sober since then. So yay. Wow. Um, but I think after going through what I went through in childhood, I decided that if I could change it for another kid, I was going to. So I went to school for social work, uh, Cal State Fullerton, and um, got a degree out there, started working with um, addicts, and uh, spent a couple of years out there doing all sorts of stuff, like working for addicts, helping establish veteran nonprofits. Um, I did quite a bit of work on on uh, outreach on Skid Row. I did a little bit of volunteering at LAMP. Um, What's LAMP? Uh, it's a, uh, housing center that, um, takes those, um, you have to be in active substance abuse and have, um, mental health issues and they take people off the street and rehabilitate them. Yeah. Um, so I worked out at LAMP for a while. What else? Um, I've just done a lot, a lot of community work. Um, a lot of chemical dependency work, the majority of it, chemical dependency and mental health. Yeah. So that's well, kind of where I come from. And I think what's so powerful about that, we kind of talked about this at the beginning, is one of the things that I, I fault religion about a lot too, and I think we talked about this on the very first episode of the podcast. We, we talked about kind of the origins of this idea of we talk about heaven here now. It's in contrast to what a lot of the religious impulse is, which is not hell, there then you know yeah. it's all like we you know we want to tell you about how to not go to hell and it's going to happen somewhere over the rainbow and it's going to happen sometime far in the future and it's the opposite you know the, the opposite impulse of that is like you know look there are people in hell here right you know like you like you live through that child of two alcoholics you're like i know you know I don't know how bad hell could be, but I do know pretty close of how bad things can get here. And knowing that is sounds like a part of what kind of unlocked an impulse in you to say, I want to 
change that. I want to I want to make a world here and now an opportunity so that people don't have to experience that. I mean, did, does that I don't know. I guess my question is like, do you think that that impulse or the ability to conceptualize like I can make things better here is that you know something that we yes. if we could create our own religion you know like yeah what we that would be to... I mean that is the goal I I cannot tell you how many times I thought about suicide when I was young because I'm an only child and so you have these events where you know elementary school events or high school events that parents show up to and they're functioning and like that did not happen for me and mm. like having friends over was was awful it was terrible and like even as i grew up like my house ended up being the party house because my parents were drunk nobody cared so weehaw you know and it i it just was terrible and after living through that i'm like there's got to be something i can do to make sure that other people don't live through that because Mm. it's hard too when you're religious and you're like why why am i stuck here and this was not just a few years they started drinking when i was about five and didn't stop until i was long gone mm. so like I, that was my whole goal is that it, i want to help people here i don't want people to go through that that's it, it's oh but i want to fix that it's just yeah i think I too like when our parents are like that like for me anyway like what we have here parental wise fatherly wise I, I got that misconstrued with like my conception of my father in heaven. Do you feel like that had any effect on you as well? I don't, I don't because I, in our church, it wasn't put across to us like our father in heaven. It was God. And then Jesus. Yeah. He's not even related to you. He's like, he's several steps above you. Put to me that way. And honestly, I was more angry that like, I am stuck here suffering and y'all aren't doing anything. Like you're supposed to help, 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 you know? Yeah. So Carly, you were talking about your experience of struggling, right? Like being in real suffering. You were in hell here now in some very real tangible thing and reaching out to religious people, people in the church and being like, help, can somebody help? And getting back some version of, I guess, maybe it wasn't this explicit, but like, sorry, like we just have more important things to do. Like, what well, you know, the, the priest has to, you know, write his sermon or. Yeah. What know, was the, the response? It, here's the problem. There, the, what was very clear was there was a toxic marriage going on. It, that was very clear. And I think some mental illness. So it was just trying to combat that. And then I, you, you talk to the church, but divorce is not an option in the Catholic church. Okay. And my mother yeah, was very Catholic. So she was not about to get divorced. And my father, I mean, he was deep in the church when he was younger, he wasn't about to get divorced either. So it, it just was a continued like toxic environment that I think had they been able to get away from Catholicism and and move away from each other would have been a totally different outcome. But the church was pretty much like you obey your mother and father and they can't get divorced. Deal with it. Yeah. And so that that constraint led to even more tragedy, because like you're saying, maybe if they had 
been able to get divorced and go into counseling or get you in a healthy environment, things would have been different. Yeah. But there was no option, you know? Right. And that's one of the, I, you know, I was, I was reflecting on one of the things that I think led me to get out of kind of the pastor role to pursue the counseling role and to pursue kind of starting this nonprofit was, I don't know if you've seen the thing that's on the back of our shirts when we do the go days, it just says here to help. Yeah. Right. And like that, it just feels like if there was ever supposed to be a central message, this is just me personally, what I took away, what I take away from Jesus is that's what his mission and calling and purpose was and what he wanted to, the kind of community that he wanted to create was a, you know, a community of people who like without, are, are willing to, to go into hell here now and try to create heaven here now, you know, to say like, if there's, if there's healing that can be done, if there's, you know, just investment that needs to be made, if there's, you know, somebody that just needs to, to be, you know, receive love or to have, you know, food shared with them, like, just start there, you know, like start there, like do, do that, like meet the tangible physical needs of people. And when humans begin to realize that, you know, whatever, you know, the government or God or, some other higher power, whatever power they might have, you also have power to do good. Like you have power to meet needs and to impact things right now. And I just, I feel like that's the part that people misunderstand. And like, I don't know, that's why I love kind of what you did. Like you saw that. When did you start to see, like, I have this power to really like to change stuff, to really make people's world better. When did you begin to see that? Um... I've just always been, I, I think part of the childhood trauma turned me into this very outgoing social person to try to survive otherwise, to create a family, other places. And so I think once I started getting social, people would be like, Hey, do you want to come help do this? And I'm like, yeah, let's go do that. And so then I would do that. And it felt like a community that was peaceful and helpful and like loving. And so Uh, more of that. Yes. And less of the pollution that I'm getting at home. And so I think that's kind of just where it turned. And then, and then to tell you the truth, I started college. I wanted to be a nurse and I was going to be a nurse. And, And then I had to do a rotation of clinicals. And I said, Nope, this is not my thing. So I had, my advisor said, try a social work class, see what you think. And, and, and it was like, I mean, I think Jesus actually came down that day. It was Mm. like, this is what you should be doing. So I, I mean, that's kind of where it all came from. Yeah. What was it just like the love and happiness and, and change that you would see? What drew you in? Is that, is that it? Yes. And it was knowing that people could make the change. Yeah. That. And so there was this, this hope that somewhere somebody would help make that change for me. So if mm. I continued to help somewhere else, then karma or whomever be it would, would come and help me along. Mm. So, um, it, it was, it was hope, yeah. you know, it's big with me, hope that things can be different and make things better. Yeah. Mm. I know you said that, that you know exactly what hell looks like. They didn't talk a lot about heaven. If you had to say what, if, if you believed in heaven and you had to say what it looks like to you, what, what would you hope it would look like? You know, I, 
I honestly hope we continue to, to hang around for a while. I hope that we, like, we stay through our children's lives, if that makes sense. So, you know, I hope that my mother is still here and she continues to hang around until I'm gone. And then her spirit goes to, I don't know if it dissipates or if it goes to a land that's covered in gold and clouds. <laughs> I don't know what it would look like, but I, my, my hope is that I get to hang around here. Not physically, but but heaven to me would be able to to stay with my people hmm. in in spirit form. Does that make sense? I love that. There's a. I think it's one of the things again that you know, Jesus. Like when we go back to Jesus, needs some PR sometimes. It's like a lot of people don't understand that the end of the story, at least as it's in the Bible, isn't people going to heaven. It's like heaven coming down to earth, and it's this vision of. Right, like you said, of of hanging around here, that like things, it's so hard to to like separate the symbolic and like the mythical and the archetypal, you know, like these symbols for what it's supposed to mean for us. But I, I, I mean, I resonate with your same, you know, impulse of like I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to. There, there, I just think there's something beautiful about like the world and about like an embodied lived experience and i think that that's gosh that's part of like the whole tension of this whole whatever existence thing that we're in is like we we recognize that there's something like you know possibly spiritual or deeper but then there's just this urgency and this like rawness and this vulnerability to being a human that's like beautiful right yeah. we're like we're like things are at risk and like you don't know what's going to happen. And, and that's where all the, the drama comes from. And like, you know, I just, I, I do in the same way, I hope that I, we keep getting better at this, you know, yeah. that we keep getting better at like figuring out how to help people live longer, how to treat diseases, how to make families, you know, healthier places where kids kind of grow up and they know that they're loved. It's, it's like, I feel like we're scratching the very, you know, tip of the surface of like what people are capable of when they have safety, when they have, when they're provided for, when they're taken care of, you know, all those things. And that's one of the things that frustrates me the most about a lot of religion is like, this place is crumb. Let's get out of here. You know, like this, <laughs> right? like, like it's, it's, you know, let's just, let's pull the rip cord and, and, and bail. I mean, there are definitely like legacy did great things when they were helping out I-58 and bought them the truck and, you know, wrote them checks for, for services. Like, they definitely do some great things, but yeah, I'm with you. Like some of it's just crummy. Like Joe Lostine should not have a giant house. I shouldn't say that. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can, say that. You okay, can edit not, that out. Not but, a big, not a, not a big Joe Lostine fan either. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like the church could do so much more and be so much more radical about like, we're not going to let people go hungry today. We are not going to let children go without education or, or diapers or like, the church has a lot of power and it really could disrupt a lot of stuff if it wholeheartedly wanted to. And hey, I, Carly, what if I just told you that everything you just said is like a lot of, not in the same exact words, but a lot of Jesus's words. Well, how does that make you feel? A lot of what you just said was pure biblical scripture. I mean, I'm down with that. Like the, I see, like I said, Jesse has taught me a lot about 
a different Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I can see the radical Jesus like radically loving in his world. Mm -hmm. Jesse does not, um, it's not somebody who's going to shy away from somebody, you know, and like, it doesn't matter what you look like or what you believe. Like he just loves people. That's the radical. I mean, that I can get behind. I can get behind that Jesus all day long, all day long. Well, uh, you know, tough luck because you, uh, you said it and now you're gonna have to help us do it. You know, now listen, I will come all day and help you, but I, I just can't. No, but here's the thing. This is the part of the thing that's the, the best about it is like, I, I, more and more, I care very little about what people believe about these like big, massive concepts. I, look, is there a God? I don't know. I hope there is. Right. I, one of my favorite books is, uh, it's called The Idolatry of God. You love this. You should read this book. You'd really like it. Um, but it's like part of part of faith. It's not knowing. It's not being like I know this stuff for certain, right? I could be an idiot, you know. It's like like you said, we I could just be a novel collection of of atoms, right? I hope that I'm not. I hope that there's something bigger than this. But all of that's meaningless if I don't if it doesn't translate into action, right? Right? If it doesn't translate into like something here and now just like you said i have the exact same conviction that i think the church has massive power i think you know when you put on your rose-colored glasses like christians are usually some of the most generous giving sacrificial people right like if you just need somebody to like show up at a soup kitchen but the problem is is it's not it's not organized it's not long-standing there's so way too much infighting there's way too much like crummy theology. There's you know, all the other stuff that, that we've kind of talked about. So yeah, I'm with you hundred percent that like the church or, or whatever you want to call it, like there's a possibility of a community of helpers and healers yes. and builders and creators and like restorers that can make this place better. Right. That are like building heaven here now to, you know, quote our <laughs> Yeah, no, thing all I the think time. what you're doing is needed. And I think that you have opened up an umbrella for everybody to help. And it does not matter. It's not focused on one thing. It's, you know, how can we help you right now? What do you need right now? Whether that's food or putting in a new shower or helping somebody get through um, addiction or, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I love what you're building. I will get behind that a hundred percent because that's what we need more of is, you know, th those general things to, to help people every day right now. What's frustrating to me is that I really do believe, and again, maybe this is, I, maybe you have to take this on faith because like you mentioned earlier, there are sociopaths, there are yeah. people that seem to want to tear things down. But I believe that that impulse to connect, to unite, to, to love, I do believe that that's in every person. I believe it's at least, if, I believe there's a seed there that can be watered and germinated. And I think that it can absolutely be um, like destroyed. I think that you can attack that part of people and I think it can get very deeply buried. But I just, that's been my experience with people is, you know, when you, when you cast that vision of hope, I mean, I don't meet many of those people that are like, yeah, I just want to tear it all down. You know, like they don't start there. I don't meet children that, you know, come into the world like that. And so that's why I just, I'm a person of hope. 
you know, and yeah. I, and I think that that, I think that that's the thing that I hope that we learn how to build um, a community around because so much of religion is building a community around getting out of here. Right. right? The and, next, and think, the next step. Right. Whatever's coming next. And I think that that's so much of what people miss about Jesus is like, I mean, that's the whole story is it's, it's God, you know, the story goes that it's God becoming human. It's, it's God like moving into our neighborhood and being like, yeah, let's, let's clean this up. Let's don't, you know, move into the suburbs. Right. You know, let's, let's, <laughs> let's get don't, in and do the work where it needs to be done right. instead of, you know, pointing fingers or chastising the situation or just taking care of business. Yeah. I know I asked you what you hope heaven is. What would heaven here right now look like for you? Um, oh man, a place where people had the things they need, resources, resources would be big, um, where there, there wasn't like where humans are humans, regardless of, of who they are, you don't look at them at face value. You take them as a human being themselves. Um, you know, I, the ability to, um, I, I would, heaven would be like accepting people for sometimes like we slip and fall and like, we just have to get back up. So like being okay with, you know, this person who might be into drugs and prostitution and realizing they just need some help to get out of there or, you know, those kind of things would be heaven here. People being fed, um, schools having food all the time for kids who need it. Those kind of things giving us not only physical health, but mental health and, and healthcare, like people being able to see a doctor when something's wrong, that would be heaven here. Yeah. What I love about, I, I'm just, let me tag team on that. Yeah. Totally agree. Sorry. Hold on. Can you yeah. take the dog out? Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. To totally agree. You know, with all that. And it kind of comes back around to that whole idea of, you know, what if God is love? What if, you know, the thing that we are put here to do is to figure out how to give people all the things that they need. Because when you have all your needs met, you know, when you're safe, then this part of you starts to wake up to like, you know, tap into this rhythm of love to go like, man, gosh, what can I use my life for? Like, what can I do to be a blessing to my community? Like, what are my unique gifts that like, man, I could tap in and I could start a business or I could, you know, start to do this thing in my neighborhood. If you don't have basic food and water, like it's really hard to entertain those ideas. Yeah, we got Maslow's hierarchy right. of needs. If you cannot get to the base level, you're never going to reach self-actualization. And like the more people we have in better positions to help, the better off we're going to be. I mean, it, it's like curb cut theory. I don't know if you all know what that is, but when we started um, putting cur um, curb cuts, you know, for wheelchairs, on, onto sidewalks that benefited the, the entire community because now we've got strollers that can get up and down that people on crutches, it's far easier. So the more people we uplift and put them into better spots, the better off we all are as a whole. And that, that's, I mean, that's what you're talking about. It's, it's getting people those basic needs so that they can then help others. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you the, uh, the one thing that I still, this I'll, I'll I'll make my my final plug for uh, for Jesus. I think he's a decent guy, but uh, one of the one of the things that 
I think this is really helpful to me. Another book that you might really enjoy, Carly, is uh, it's by this guy. His name's Richard Beck. It's called mm -hmm. uh, the, it's called the Slavery of Death. Is it makes the argument that like the foundational thing that Jesus did was give people a means for hope, even if the all the other circumstances don't change. You know, it's like you know, you and I can sit here and agree and be like, yeah, it's way better. Like, let's get people food, right? Let's get people water. Let's get people sanitation, right? Like when we do that, all of our nasty human impulses to be like, no, screw you, Carly. I'm actually going to kill you and eat your body to, you know, def you know, if, if we're in the, if we're in the zombie apocalypse, you know, yes. like just the survivalistic animalistic part of us, right? Like Jesus is this idea of there's a, there's a way through death. There's a way you know, there's a hope of resurrection that if you, you know, if you follow this loving impulse, even if you're in the the worst circumstances, like that's not the end of the story. Um, I think that's what's, I don't know, it's powerful. It gives yeah. people, you know, like even because that's the hardest part is like sometimes we have all these delightful hopes for heaven here now. Sometimes you're just going to find yourself in hell. It's just part of the world that yeah. that we live in. And if you don't have a way to like hold on to hope and not just be like, screw it. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going Manson on everybody right. you know, to like, hold on to that. Um, I just, I don't know. I think that that was like almost like a technology that Jesus gave to the world of like how to, how to hold on to hope. Um, even in the worst scenarios. Um, but you know, yeah. I think again, like you've said, I think that's something that people have to find and experience more than they can even just be taught or yeah. told it yeah you know so i don't know if this is a compliment or you'll take it as a criticism but you look and sound so much like jesus to me carly like more than many christians <laughs> i, I come it. in contact with so and i would love one day for you to come to a go day with us and bring some heaven here now i want to i keep meaning to do it um as soon as i move myself then i will me. come help you all move yeah some, well move do you need help moving can we I help don't you think so yeah we'll 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 see we'll, we'll let we'll us know see. we'd yeah. love to help you thank you guys for i mean i love stuff like this it gives i love the exchange of ideas i love that we can do this civilly and nobody's trying to claw each other's eyes out i love that you guys are open to listening um and i love your leadership like getting me involved and asking me these questions, um, you know, a little bit of push is good for me. Well, and I don't think you realize how many people really do connect with your experience. I mean, those same questions, the same, you know, frustrations, all those things, like I've heard that version, that experience in, in so many people's, uh, you know, story. And, we, uh, we, we talked about this last time and uh, we could finish up with this, but like somebody, one of the, there's a girl that's helping us do some like marketing stuff. She works for a cool nonprofit. She said, I love what you guys are doing. It feels like the next generation of the Jesus movement. Yes. And I was like, yeah, we, we need, we need one of those. 